Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And welcome to episode 61. 61. Today we're going to talk about what, uh, why is it so hard to change? And is really we're going to talk about is real fundamental change of who you are possible? Yeah. Even with the gospel of change and the par- promise of new birth, is real fundamental change to your core personality possible? There it is. Boom. All right. All right. Before that, it is story time. And uh, you're first. It or, is my I mean, turn. Your yeah. week. Yeah. yeah. We're not both doing stories. <laughs> so uh, my story for today is uh, when I was pastoring in Denver, uh, there was a, a flat track for car racing mm-hmm. in town. And uh, every year they would have an event called Faster Pastor Night. It was the faith night. They would invite churches to, you know, discounted tickets and fill the bleachers. And it was when you were a youth pastor or? No, no, no. I was, I was pastoring in Denver. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so uh, I went a couple of years to faster pastor. And the way this worked is pastors would sign up and then you show up and you go down in the pits where all the cars are. And what they do is they ask drivers who are actually racing that night to loan you their race cars. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you don't bring your own car. You just show up down there with it and you, and you bring a helmet. And um, so there's a lot of trust from it, these it is. racers. Yeah. And so uh, we're down there in the pits. This is my second year to do it. And I'm, I really, it's a blast mm-hmm. because this dirt track, you throw the thing into a controlled slide in every corner. And, uh, you know, we were doing 70 or 80 on the straights and whatever in the corner. So it's not like you're doing 200 miles an hour, like a NASCAR. Or sure. Something. Anyway. So uh, our kids pastor goes along with me for faster pasture. He's like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm in on this. So we get down there and they're one car short. They haven't got enough drivers. Who's willing to loan us their cars. Mm-hmm. So they're on the PA system down in the pits. Hey, come on guys. We need one more car for a pastor. You know, they're going to take care of your car. Just come on, loan them a car. So they finally bring this guy a car and we roll out there and you know, you do a slow lap and then, you know, green flag and you're going. And it was only a seven lap race. And I lapped the kids guy three times Whoa. in a seven lap race. And was he just scared to go fast? Well, it, 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 he was down low on the track and just dope, dee dope, dee do all the way around, you know. <laughs> and I was teasing him, "Hey, you left your blinker on the entire time too." You know, it was and uh, uh, it was a blast because I won that night. So the, a couple of days later, we're at staff meeting, and somebody said, "Hey, how did Faster Pastor go?" And I said, "Well, you know, mm-hmm. kids guy was he had that." <laughs> He had his window down and and the blinker on, and he finally erupted. He was furious. He said, you want to know the whole story? I said, yeah. He said, the guy pulls up in his car that he's going to loan me. And he says, listen. He, he, he said, look me in the eye. And he's right in my face. And he said, uh, this is my first night to race this car. If you wreck this car, I'm going to F you up. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and Eric said, man, I'm just down there. Don't hit the car. Don't hit the car. Don't hit the car. And he was terrified that this guy was just going to crush him if he yeah, ended up that would his do car. it. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. But I came in first, got the big trophy. It was a fun night. And what's the track? Was it uh, NASCAR style or just a big dirt oval? It's a big or? dirt oval. Okay. Yeah. Lots and lots of fun. That sounds awesome. Yeah. That's a, uh, it's not 
I can, maybe that's more of a Colorado thing. You don't see a lot of um, private racetracks up here. You have the one in the South Sound Speedway. Yeah, and it was just like South Sound Speedway, only it was dirt instead of pavement. Same thing. And all these guys who were lending your cars, those were amateurs or they were? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, they're getting prize money, but they're not. Sure. They're not pros. And these cars, it was stocks. So these are, you know, you're driving really old hot rod cars. They're not stocks, but they were, they're modifieds, but they're all old cars. Right. That sounds like a blast, though. It was a lot of fun. I had one time. And it's, uh, to, you know, the first time I did it, it's very intimidating. Yeah. You I get in imagine. that race car and the, you got to harness yourself in with all these straps and uh, things loud and you got a cage and dirt's flying too because all the cars in front of you are striking, you know, dirt clods. And Any crashes or anything? No. Good. No, most, like I say, we weren't driving them like the race car drivers were driving them probably. Yeah. We had, uh, and I'm, maybe I'll save this for later, but we would do a few times at Grace uh, these uh, all-night New Year's Eve events at this local arcade oh, yeah. in Denver. Like a Dave & Buster's type deal? Yeah. Was that what it was? That kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and they had a little go, uh, go-kart rally mm-hmm. thing, and we would do races <laughs> there. You know, when you're in middle school and you're on a go-kart, you feel like you're a, oh, you feel yeah. like the, that NASCAR yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, good times. Okay, so we're talking about... Um, real deal here's here's our dilemma yeah you and i keep having this wall really that's frustrating both of us i think is it am i the only one frustrated are we both frustrated i'm 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 frustrated i'm okay. i'm po'd hombre <laughs> you know hombre <laughs> hombre um really it all started with the conversation with a counselor that um you know that 75 percent of who you are is who you were by the time you're 10 yeah and that for the rest of your life, you're going to modify about 25% of yourself. Mm-hmm. And this really, uh, it, it's something I'd heard over the years, but it really made me angry this time. And I said to him, you know, I work so hard to be a better person, you mm-hmm. know? So I said, you're telling me, I'm, I'm 58, you're telling me that 48 years of my life of working hard has resulted in 25% of who I am. I mean, it was very discouraging. Yeah. And he said, well, people who are self-aware and who put a lot of effort in this can raise that percentage to like 30. (laughs) (laughs) And he expected you to go, whoa, Whoa, look at me. I'm a high achiever. And this collides with this promise of the gospel that God can change people. Yeah. And so, um, really, what we want to talk about is this collision with the promise of the gospel to transform a human life, and yet the difficulty with which fundamental change happens. I have a saying that I've said forever, and that is, people change, but not very much. Mm -hmm. So, what are your first thoughts about this? Uh, Well, I was thinking about it, and... uh and there's a lot of specifically uh, Westerns, actually, which you and I both love Westerns, but there's lots of media about redemption and change and, 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 and a good story in the, you know, the science of, of narrative or however you mm-hmm. want to call it. The, mm-hmm. the formula is a character should look different by the end. They should have changed by the end. Right. That's a good, you it's know, a good story, a good story. Right. And there are, you know, stories like a lot of Superman stories. One of the reasons people don't like him very much because he doesn't, he doesn't have to struggle as much. Doesn't have to change much. People who love Superman are probably really angry, and they're saying he does in a different way. You know, <laughs> I'm not crazy about Superman uh, for these reasons. So uh, it seems to be that everyone but, acknowledges virtue as or, or change as a virtue. That that Batman, is, for example, you would say he changes a lot. 
No, he also doesn't change a whole. No, lot. he doesn't. So, so who does? Give me an example of someone who does. In uh, in fiction, so there's a uh, main character from Fargo season one. Uh, uh, big big change. Uh, Walter White from Breaking Bad. The, and these are these are the people who go. These they shows go, they become, go really bad. They become bad people. Yeah, but they change a lot. People go, wow, what the, what a character arc. You know, what a what a what a trajectory. Well, I know I could make myself worse. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> I want to make myself better. Clint Eastwood and Unforgiven. You know, he's, he he's, goes around killing people to, for redemption. That's the whole point is he's trying, you know, but see, okay. he's the same essence. He's still that essence, that angry person who's going to murder everybody. Man there. on fire. Uh, um, uh, yeah. Same, same story. That's Denzel Washington. Well, they're all action stories because it's just the way these movies work. But well, my, but my point is he was, uh, you know, he's a shell of a man mm-hmm. who can't have a meaningful relationship got all this ptsd from war stuff or whatever going on but these are real things so you know i know friends who who have gone to war and can i can i break out of this ptsd type trauma this post-trauma trauma by itself is a powerful um agent in a person's life so let's set that aside because we're not talking about well, recovering was, from trauma. And that was just my thing was that it seems to be universally agreed that uh, not that necessarily people can change, but that that we sh- that they should be able to or, or that it would be a good thing to. So like like the criminal justice system is based on the idea of reform, mm-hmm. whether or not that is implemented well or if that actually works. That's well, all and that's the debate, question. But, like in are you are you uh, is prison punishment or is it or is it reform? Reform. Yeah. And um and so the idea of redemption is people go, oh, I, I like that. And then you get into these nitty gritty. You get uh, the guy in the uh, Manson murders. Uh, uh, not, Charles Manson. Not Charles. Him. Or Tex. Tex. The Tex guy. Yeah. yeah. Who's now a, um, a believer. And he has a whole uh, ministry type thing built on his testimony that he does from prison. And he, um, you know, stabbed. What was her name? Sharon uh, Tate. Was that her? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she was pregnant and he stabbed her to death. Like a, like many many times, and and he's reformed now, and and a lot of people don't like that story because he, you know, how do you get the gospel from someone who murdered a pregnant woman? You know, right. big pregnant, like like nine, eight or nine right, months. Right. So uh, anyway, point being that for me the conflict here because we we had this big episode about how it's how uh, this identity episode where you are who you are. Um, the conflict for me is um, uh, the biblical. Um, synthesis the this is what this the gospel um, I'm thinking of like a distillery like mm-hmm. it like it distills down to a real palpable change changes if you were born a, a second time you know mm-hmm. the old is gone the new has come and what we see in real life and even these highly successful um, really really you know God-fearing Christian men and women who maybe haven't changed a whole lot and I, and you want to see if you if that's if that's one of the big truths of the gospel, you want to see it in reality. So mm-hmm. this is my conflict where I don't know a lot of stories like that in in my in my spheres, and I wonder you know if if that is the gospel message, at least one of them, mm-hmm. you know then then shouldn't it be shouldn't it be everywhere? And I haven't I don't know if I've lived long enough. One of the one of the factors of growing up in the church is I don't have a pre post Christ John. I just right. have John post Christ John yeah. or or John. Post being post meeting, you know, geez, not you know, not post post like after I'm done with them or what, however that would work. But that that's my that's my uh, my conflict. Yeah, and it's a real one. And so what I'm coming to grips with 
is that people do change. There's some neuroscience in this. Um, we, we find now that as science continues to learn about the brain, we learn about neuro patterns and that behaviors create neuro patterns and you can actually rewire your brain um, through a change of habits. You can hmm. teach your brain to think differently, but this is an enormous amount of work. And uh, you want to say, man, the Holy Spirit just comes on me and I accept Christ. And now my brain thinks differently and I operate differently. Right. And that the miracle would be the spirit actually rewriting your pathways itself or, or something on that. Right. Level. And so you think of like, I even think of the apostle Paul. So before he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, to Damascus, he's dragging Christians out of their homes and overseeing their execution. Yeah. Um, so what he was before Jesus was a zealot Jew who is absorbed with propagating his faith yeah. and punishing people who don't have that. Faith. And it's his whole life. He it's is. his whole life. It's all he cares about. Yeah. Now he meets Jesus. And what does he become? A religious zealot who is obsessed with his faith and wants the whole world to have his faith. Yeah. So, so he's chasing in his own way, he's chasing God both both, both ways. ways, both times he's chasing God and his personality does not change much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Peter is the loud mouth and um, his personality doesn't change much. Right. After the day of Pentecost, he's the one who stands up and gives this powerful message using his mouth and being the first guy to speak up. So, um, you know, these are the things I'm talking about, these basic uh, personality tendencies and um, that I'm not sure those can change. Yeah. And what God does maybe instead of change them is redeem them. Um, Repurpose them maybe. Yeah. So, but I'm frustrated that I can't change more. Have you been frustrated at your inability to change? Have you ever had a thing in your life? You're like, I'm going to change that. Oh yeah. Um, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You'll betcha. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um speaking of fargo by the way not a bl- not a blank check endorsement no uh, by uh, any stretch of the imagination there's this thing on imdb called the parents guide that i go to sometimes you click on that and it breaks down language sexual yeah. content explicit yeah. graphics go on there if you're going to look at anything we talk about same with unforgiven or man on fire yeah so we we hold no responsibility over your viewership choices and, yeah well or, then stop talking about it I'm, it's for the sake of the conversation. Yes. It's like saying, uh, I don't mean to offend you. And then you say something offensive. I don't want to be held responsible for what I'm about to say. No, it's like lighting up a cigar. And then after it's already lit and smoking, it's saying, is this okay? Do you mind if I smoke? Yeah, that's what it's like. Okay. In my opinion. Okay. Anyway. Well, now I'm, now I'm, now I'm lost. What was I saying? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I had this idea, uh, and I wrote a blog about it, which, which afterwards I, I don't, it's one of the things you start the blog and you're so far along that like, um, and you realize it's too late to get your point across. The point of it was that, um, Peter walking with Jesus for three years, um, was still incapable being a man only of flesh, um, to please God Mm -hmm. even after. So these things with Paul, he's the same guy, but the, uh, you know, like, like the end time wrath of God, right, is against the people who martyred Christians. Mm-hmm. God's outpouring of wrath and the, 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 his people's blood in the soil. It's a, this language of pure wrath of people who killed his kids. Mm-hmm. Paul's one of those people. And the power of his story is that Jesus covers his, for, saves him from being one of those people, even yeah. though he did spill blood of Christians. So his is more of a forgiveness than a change, it looks like. But uh, what with Peter was 
um, you know, the, the denial of Christ, the famous moment. This is right. after all these crazy things that Peter had done with Jesus. And then, uh, and until it seems to me, this was the, my theory in the post, was that um, he would continue to be incapable until his death, unless for the Spirit, except for the Spirit. And that's when the intercessor comes when Jesus leaves, and Peter and, and those gathered receive the Spirit. Or I don't know if they do there necessarily. They but, do, but, you know. And then, well, and then... And then he would be able to change, and he becomes the man that he, you know, that he was because of the spirit, because of, of the spirit, the spirit's presence in his life helping him, right? Because change. even a man like Peter, who was who's not in, in, inherently worse than an, any other guy, was still just a thick skulled idiot. You know, that's what it looks like sometimes mm-hmm. by the end of by the end of Jesus' life. Well, you have uh, here's a great example of what does change. So Peter denies Jesus after 30 minutes ago saying, I'll die for you. And after three years of seeing these crazy, crazy yeah, things. No doubt. And he and and he has the, you know, the rooster crow and he has this realization and he hates himself for it. Now you you go past his past the resurrected Jesus and the receiving of the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost in Acts two. And then Peter not only becomes the guy who's willing to die for Jesus, but when they crucify Peter, he says, hey. Please crucify me upside down. I'm not worthy to die the same manner of Jesus. Hmm. So you have a coward who becomes a lion, courageous. That kind of change, yes, all day long. I say the gospel does this to people where your motives can change and your uh, desires can change. Um, and so this is what we have to celebrate is is that um, I'm, not at go- I'm not as good at sin as I used to be. Don't want to hmm. be as good at it. I dream of not sinning. So this this part of me has changed and has come alive while my basic uh, coping techniques with human beings, my basic way I manage when someone intimidates me, the basic way I respond when I'm uh, attacked or accused, mm-hmm. uh, the basic things I do when I'm afraid, these things are so deeply ingrained in my coping mechanisms that they are extremely hard to change. Yeah. I wonder if... Um... I had this other realization. You had this big thing about um, about fruits uh, and and the and the tree, yeah, and the crazy impact of a small, relatively small parable about the tree is known by its fruits, and and, mm-hmm. and it's very very binary. There's very cut and dry and simple. Yeah. You will know a tree. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. You'll yeah. know a tree by its fruit. And I was thinking about it, and just the um, the static nature of trees. Right, they're not dynamic. They don't um, move unless they're they're being moved uh, a tree in its form. When you look at it, it's not going to a branch will not be in a different spot, a different day, that kind of thing. Uh, and just the, the fact that, that they don't change. Uh, do you think humans in general, to me, they seem a lot like that, that, that is, it, does that parable apply here where, where a fruit, a tree can actually not change the fruit that it, it grows outside of the power of Christ. Is- I, I think it does apply here because what makes a tree good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's the health of the tree and an unhealthy tree cannot produce good fruit. And what makes a tree produce bad fruit is that it's unhealthy. So, uh, cause he, so then the real kicker to me that day was you will, you will be able to tell the tree by its fruit. And I'm thinking, man, there are certain moments in my life where if you looked at the fruit of my mouth in that moment, you'd mm-hmm. go, there's no way this guy's a Christian. But overwhelmed, as you look at the whole tree and all the whole barrel of fruit, you go, I think maybe there's you know more good than bad here. So I was wrestling with, is it binary? 
and it makes you tempted to judge yourself very critically because I don't like all the fruit of my tree. Yeah. And what I'm realizing is that, because uh, it goes on in that passage, the next thing he says is, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the fruit that I think he's talking about is the outflow of your heart. What happens, the fruit, the things you do reveal the heart that you have. So this is why when people you know, say something really hateful and they say, I didn't mean that, there's some part of them that did mean that. Mm-hmm. Because out of the abundance of heart, the mouth spoke. And so, and this is why James 1 would say, if you can control your mouth, you're perfect in every way, right? right? So the, the, the condition of the tree, is it healthy or unhealthy, is about the condition of your heart. And this is why I think pure in heart is the, is the pursuit to be, to, to kick out all the defilements in your heart where you, mm-hmm. where you delight in the demise of someone else or where you secretly hope somebody has a bad thing happen to them, um, where you, you really want everybody to prosper. You just want to prosper a little bit more than <laughs> sure. there, where you really do want first place, not fifth place. Mm-hmm. And um, those are the things where I'm like, man, I want my heart pure. I want my heart pure, you know? Um, and I think Psalm 51 gives me a little bit of hope there. Um uh, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. And so the best I can offer God is not a perfect heart, but I can o- offer him a broken and contrite heart. And contrite. What's, now you're going to have to, I've, I've heard the word. I just don't have yeah. to. It's, it's broken over my sin and contrite. I think that would be humble, hmm. um, um, meek, uh, not arrogant. Sure. Um, and so we can offer the God that. And I think that might be the fruit of the tree that as I, as I collide with the grace of God and I recognize the depravity of my own heart and the sin of my life, that transformation that happens through Jesus is, holy cow, I am a desperate needer. I'm, I'm in desperate need of grace. Yeah. And so you can't appreciate the grace of God until you understand the grossness of your own sinful nature. And so then in this, in this, this is the version of change we're looking at. Yeah. The, um, the, the breaking of, of a heart and the changing of, of one's heart, the rebuilding back up mm-hmm. in a different way. So Paul from the outside, I think he's like the easiest, he's the low hanging fruit of changed mm-hmm. people, even though, like you said, his temperaments didn't necessarily change, but from the outside, right? When he, when he shows up to the churches uh, and they're like, Whoa, this is, I forget who it is that vouches, that vouches for him and says, no, he's the real deal now. Uh, Cause he's trying oh, to go to Barnabas Barnabas. Yeah. And, uh, and they're like, this guy was killing these right. other churches. Right. To them, he is about as much a new person as one could be. Yes. Um, and and he is. His heart is completely changed. Yeah. Gone from, I want to kill people who don't believe, to I want to love everybody till they do believe. Right. And um, is it is that really the best that we can hope for? Where it's not that he's, that we're going to start finding different things funny. We're going to start telling different jokes. We're going to like different foods. Like Not that mm-hmm. it's that kind mm-hmm. of... You're still you, mm-hmm. which seems to not really be as dramatic as the language implies being born again. You know, people were making fun of, you know, what did they say? Who said it? Uh, what do I have to climb back into my mother's womb? You know that? Yeah. Nicodemus. Nicodemus. I um, can't climb back in my mother's womb, can I? And he said, no, but if you're not born of water and the spirit, you'll never see the kingdom of God. So it's a new birth again of this heart coming alive because the Bible doesn't say you were bad and now you're good. It says you were right. dead and you were now made alive. 
And so we go from spiritual death to spiritual life. And that is a new, that's born again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I like where we're going. I have a feeling this is going to be maybe a little shorter one. Are you, how about we do show and tell now? Then we'll do our commercial Let's do break it. and we'll, uh, all right. And it's your turn for show and tell. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. And and I have some more to say at the end. I got, I got some final talking points, but I'll do, we'll do show and tell. You, uh, closing my eyes. <laughs> You talked about your journal one week, and so I'm, oh. I brought mine this week. Okay, well, I to, uh, Yeah, you've yeah. seen it. This was my, I believe, 18th birthday get. No, I was at Northwest when I got this, so this was probably, I was either 19 or 20, I betcha. It's one of the purchases your mother is most proud of for you. You guys nailed it. And I remember uh, um, my initial reaction maybe didn't sell it. I no, it you, didn't. You yeah. were, I thought, oh, we blew it. No, this is one of my favorite things. So this is um, genuine leather of some variety. I honestly have no idea. I don't know my stuff good <laughs> enough. But uh, in a similar way that it is a shell, yours was um, about the size of a, it was a lot bigger than this. It was um, 10 by 8 by 10 maybe or something like that. No, 8.5 by 11 is a sheet of paper. So I was probably half of that. So like uh, 5.5 by 4. Okay. Well, this guy is probably. 6 by 9, I bet. This guy's probably 4 by 6. Yeah, maybe something yeah. like that. Uh, maybe like five or six by eight. I don't know. Kind of strange. And it has a um, again, it's a refillable sleeve that you can uh, um, put in notebooks. Right now, it's got three notebooks, the same ones that came with it. I uh, before I had a bag to carry on all the time. I liked notebooks that could fit in my pockets yeah. just because I could carry them around. This one's a little too big for that, so it hasn't gotten as much use as I like. Uh, but I'm in love with it, and it's got these waterproof uh, pouches on each end. Uh, the leather is uh, deep brown, by the way. It is bound on the back by these uh, metal cylinders uh, on the back that cords have run through and then run back into the mm-hmm. inside that, that bind the notebook into it. Yeah. So if you want to pull a notebook out, you just go to the middle of it where this little uh, like a cord band is, in there, yeah, yeah. is down the middle. and you just It looks like it a hair tie. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, anyway, really cool. This is where I wrote my vows uh, out of this thing on my wedding morning. Mm. Um Wait until the last minute again. Yeah, what can I say? Uh, but it was great. We had some kind of, I think we had like lasagna the night before or something. So <laughs> I go up, I go upstairs to the kitchen at my, my, my uh, uh, in-law's house where we got married and uh, heated up some leftovers, went out and sat on the porch, on the looked out where my wedding was going to be and, and wrote, wrote my vows. vows. And then uh, I think I tore them out and then uh, and kept them in my pocket. Anyway, one of my favorite birthday gifts, uh, what does it say? There's a clasp, the the band that goes around it to keep it shut has a metal uh, bracket that says, I haven't read this thing in a while actually, so it shows how inspirational it is. It says, where there's a will, there's a way. Mm. And uh, I don't know, I love it super, probably definitely the most high quality journal that I own. You know, I love it too, John, but I'm not sure how I would carry it, which is why right. I was held back by it. Well, in in the winter, not as big a deal because you got you got jackets with bigger pockets. That's true. But really, the only, the only way is to carry it in my uh, man purse. That I it's have like my... a really fat wallet, like yeah. an unbelievably <laughs> fat wallet. Yeah, um, it's really beautiful. I'm a and, big fan. And you're such a note taker, you know that it's kind of nice to be able to jot your notes down and have them yeah. with you. And I have another one um, that I got as a gift from my bosses when I worked at Northwest's uh, library when I was a student there. I'll show that one later. It's it's another cool little that one I only keep in my glove box, my car. Mm. You can only have so many notebooks, right? And uh, and yeah, I'll show that one later. But that is my my show and tell. That's awesome. All right, let's do our commercial break. We'll be right back. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs. 
have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back. Uh, as always, thank you so much for listening. And thanks yeah, for listening we're to really our, grateful. Yeah, and for our commercial. And uh, yeah, so uh, to wrap it up, um, and this isn't a wrap up. This is a little bit of a new yeah, conversation yeah. here. So thank you. Yeah, I don't want people to go. Oh, they're done. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, you can see the you can see the exit. The exit signs are popping yeah. up in, in this many <laughs> yeah. miles. There's yeah. the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, and there's this uh, recently, especially with with this big um, resurgence of uh, social justice and race issues. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of um, talk of of growth and um, growing as a person, growing as a person, and and understanding. And there's this. It seems to be a kind of metric or like a social rubric on grading growth or, or how you assess a person's um, uh, success in life. Their, so their I used to be life. a chauvinist, but now I'm a, I'm a women's rights person. Exactly. I, I've grown as a person. Exactly. I used to be ignorant to the plight of black Americans. Now I understand it. Now I'm woke. And, yeah, exactly. Now I'm woke. And, the, it and seems, I'm growing as a person. Exactly. The social metric seems to say that that is what progress looks like that is success for a human being to grow as a person and that would mean primarily <clears throat> grace for inclusion for and love for all kinds of people yeah not and not necessarily bad this is just yeah. seems to be what i've, what That's I've the noticed metric that the culture seems to use exactly seeing more of the world um understanding more of the world to try and uh gain empathy for all these walks of life you know i would word that um that the the older I get, the 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 less I realize I actually know. Yeah, that would be one of the ways I would say what you're saying is, I used to think this way, and I had clear thoughts and rigid thoughts, but now I realize the world is not exactly as the way I see uh, perceived it, and now I'm growing as a person by realizing how few things actually I do know. Except I would say that a lot of times this leads to equal amounts of certainty in other realms. So oh. now I'm certain the world works this way instead. Right. Where really I would say true maturity is probably a lack of certainty about more than you used to have certainty of. Yeah. And this has been challenging actually growing up. Slight tangent uh, is that I, I think I was, I, was, well, I was more confident when I first mm-hmm. got to Northwest and I was more um, sure of myself and what I could do. And uh, I used to think I was curious what had happened and I think I realized that I was just dumber. <laughs> And <laughs> and I didn't know the world as much. Dumber at the exit and the entrance. Oh, at the entrance, yeah. That I wasn't that I was sure of myself because my world was too small. Yeah, and uh, of course I could conquer that version of the world because a child could conquer that version of the world. Right, it wasn't the, it wasn't yeah. accurate. It wasn't perception. complex. Right. Yeah. So personal growth. You're saying that in our culture, personal growth is measured in this way, and the question is, how is personal growth exactly. measured for a Christian? Exactly. So so the the uh, the rubric or the the metric of success as a Christian or of growth or of of progress mm-hmm. of not not regressing. So, um, 
What would you say it is? Not what it's not what uh, as you look around the church. You mm-hmm. might. I'd be curious to know what you what you think churches would measure that as. Sure. You know, groups of Christians and churches have a they're notorious for measuring that in a Puritan kind of way. Right. I don't drink. I, I don't much chew. Less I don't, than I yes, used I don't to. go out with girls that do. I've got these legalistic moral bounds. So that would be moral growth. Would be, I would say, the historical perspective in modern American history. Yeah, and um, and what I would say that is 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 simply it is uh, uh the two commandments that that Jesus puts above the others: He's loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are really the more that you can do that it's, it's proactive. So, so that puritanical thing you said is an inactive rubric. Mm. I do it's, less of yeah. these things. Instead I'm, of I'm I do, growing as a person because I don't do so exactly. many things. Instead yeah. of, I do these things more. Yeah. Um, and really, I guess I have a frustration with the concept of the good person. You know, people say I'm a good person or, uh, uh, you know, I want to be a good person or, uh, you know, someone will be someone will feel guilty, and, so, and the other person will say, "Oh, but but you're a good person." That is, it, to me, is is about as worth much as like a, I don't know, manure. It's it's nothing. That is that is. It's, well, it's, Jesus, it's Jesus paper said, thin. "Yeah, Jesus said, no one is good but God alone." Right. So this we know: human beings are not good. So uh, again, it's not about me becoming a good person; it's about me growing as a person and becoming more pure in heart. But I think you're nailing it with the two commandments. Love God with everything you got. So when I grow as a person, I realize that I can that I'm growing in my ability to love God with my intellect mm-hmm. and to love God with my emotion and more and more of yourself. Yes, and yeah. to love God with my hobbies and my stewardship of my work and the, my kindness toward people who are disadvantaged. I'm growing in the wholeness and the completeness of which with which I love God. Yeah, and loving my neighbor as myself. Those are real growth matters. I would, I like that. Yeah. And I think I didn't like what you said. The all, all that is good is God is from God is God is, you know, it is, he's the, you know, every blessing comes from him and we are yeah. not that. So, so the progress is clinging faster to him. Yes. But my question then is, is that progress what Jesus really means when he talks about change in that sense, the born again, the new heart is, is progressing in that way. Because I told you, I'm, I look for examples. I try, I'm try. i trying to see this in real life. Is that what he's talking about? Because if that is what he's talking about, then I see it. Well, I think, I, I you know, we're, we're uh, hypothesizing here. Right. What, um, are we postulating? Would that be the right word? Uh, that's another one that you kind of caught me with. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the, the gym seat this time. Really? You postulating. Don't... Again, a, a vague notion of it, but I don't, I couldn't tell you the definition. Okay. Well, that's what we're doing. We're postulating. <laughs> <laughs> How's it feel? It feels. You're postulating for the first time. Wow. <laughs> the world looks a whole lot different yeah. when you're postulating. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, uh, I, I think that, um, the Old Testament promised when it talked about prophesying about Christ coming, he yeah. would take your heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Hebrews talks about the circumcision of God. Now is not, not circumcision like the old covenant, but circumcision of the heart. Mm-hmm. So what that means to me is a cutting away. It's, it's taking this hard heart and giving you a heart of flesh. So you become compassionate and loving and kind and humble. This fruit of the spirit versus fruit of the flesh. Galatians five you know, the works of the flesh are obvious, uh, anger, rage, malice, jealousy, envy, you know, but the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and gentleness, kindness, meekness, self-control, perseverance. Yeah. So your heart changes. 
And I think that is what happened. And so this is the terrifying part, okay? This is, for me, the terrifying part. That tells me there are people who call themselves Christians who've been in church forever, and they're mean as a snake. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you'll know that tree by its fruit, and that, my friend, is not an actual Christian. Hmm. Now, it's not my job to decide if somebody's going to heaven or hell. Right, I'm not talking about that. You're not reading the book. But I'm realizing I don't need to let that person um, have influence over how I live my life because they're hateful, they're judgmental, they're arrogant. They're really that list of the flesh. The works of the flesh are obvious. Yeah. And the fruit of the Spirit is a different thing. And so, um, to me, the change is that going from hateful and angry and full of rage and bitterness uh, and self and arrogance and becoming selfless and becoming humble and becoming kind and gracious, gentle, loving, patient. Um, that's the transformation. You still have the same quirks you've always had. You still have the same tendencies in certain scenarios to respond the same way you've always responded. Sure. But your heart has changed. And I think we've mentioned before a theory that I at least have, and I'm, I'm confident in, is that you have matching strengths and weaknesses. So these strengths that you have that God wouldn't want to change, he gave them to you for a reason. So so um, pre-whatever, you know, conversion to, to mm-hmm. um, now that you have a relationship with Christ, he's not going to change those, and then your weaknesses probably aren't going to change either in that same sense. Yeah, meaning um, I've never been a detail person. Now all of a sudden I'm a detail person. Right, there's no way. Because Jesus... Know. Came in my life. But now, <laughs> right. now I can manage details like crazy. Yeah. No, that's not going to happen. And what I think is the beauty of that is God says, I don't want you to be a different person, John. I want you to be the best version of John. So I want you to take this package of personality and temperament that is in you. Mm-hmm. That 75% that's never going to change. I just want you to be the best version of that. Yeah. And so have your heart transformed and bring uh, the aroma of Christ to that personality. I think one of the I had this this um, question while, while you were talking that uh, we that that seventy five twenty five that twenty five percent might look pretty significant actually I mean a quarter of your life I'm imagining imagine a, a gym that never had a relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. just your your dad lived you thirty six years old yeah yeah and then and you grew up with him and then you know however and and you, a version of you now that ne- that never knew Jesus, and and I imagine, um, even though you seem to be kind of hard on yourself on how much you have changed, I imagine that guy looks a lot different. Yeah, but what he would have is the same sense of humor. He would still be able to sell things to people, mm-hmm. uh, be a word person, right? Um, you know, so those those traits would be the same. They just would be right. But the fruits that you mentioned of the spirit, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would be super selfish. I probably would have been divorced a couple times. Um, I would have hurt a lot more people. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm, and I don't mean everybody who's gotten a divorce is a terrible person. I'm just saying I would have ruined relationships hmm. um, with, with the degree of selfishness that I had. So yeah, you're right. And so uh, what God has done is turn me into the better version of me, the me he had in mind when he made me. And by grace. Paul said, Christ came to save sinners of whom I am chief. Yeah. So, uh, man, where would I be without the Lord is scary. 
And I didn't mean that as a, and well, I'm, look at you. Right. You must, you know, you right. would be awful without Jesus. <laughs> I just meant to look at a, an sure. example and that, that maybe the change isn't from where you were to where you are now, but it's where you would have been to where you are now. Or maybe that's the more dramatic. You well, know, and if you go back image. to say the eighth or ninth grade people I knew then and tell them I became a pastor and blah, blah, blah. They would say, you're out of your mind. <laughs> There's no way that happened. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty powerful. What's your takeaway from this conversation, John? Uh, man. Um, I guess it's that, um, that the, the change, the dramatic, the language is as dramatic as it should be, that this is big change. It's important change. Um, but that it's not going to be, you know, I don't know if all of it is going to be the guy you knew from high school. You see him now and you go, wow. You know, I don't know if it is going to be that way. I think a lot in, in probably most ways, God moves in very, very subtle and quiet, mm-hmm. um, and means, um, with maybe big spurts of, of crazy dramatic action. Um, and, and that it is a quiet, and I think we, we didn't mention, um, sanctification here or, or working out your salvation. We thought right. we had a whole episode on that. Um, I think it's it's trickier when you have instances of immediate change. A a man being saved and reborn, bam, on the spot. And um and I think those are in the same way that God doesn't act the same way with everybody. I think those are not um as cuz cuz we think this happens to everyone except for me. That's kind of the idea that I fall into is I think well everyone else had this big changing moment except for me. And I don't think that's the case. I think it is the exception and that everyone else is like us responsible for um, changing and, and Hebrews mentions this a lot. The idea of working out your salvation that is it is participative, and it is a, it is a, a, a journey. It isn't. Yeah. It isn't a a um, thing that you not a back on. It's not yeah. a moment. It's a process. Yeah. And God doesn't do it for you. He does it with you. Right. And I would say those dramatic night and day transformations that we see every mm-hmm. once in a while, they still have this thread of personality that did not change. Yeah. So. Someone who say is passive aggressive as an addict and they don't confront people face on, they try to manipulate the outcomes because they're too shy or, or unwilling to confront something and have a hard conversation. Mm-hmm. Now they're transformed. They're free from their addiction and they still navigate conflict that way. <laughs> sure. So that's what I'm talking about is yeah. these, these core parts of who you, you are. Yes. Yeah. It's they not- are very, very hard to change. So my takeaway from this is, I actually go from being discouraged at how hard change is to encouraged to fully embrace who I am and just let Jesus make that the best me I could be rather than lamenting totally. that I'm not a different guy. Right. Yeah. I, and I think that's usually powerful. I think it's especially tricky when one of the messages of the gospel is that you cannot save yourself and, and you're inherently um, not worth hmm. the... Um, redemption you will receive in heaven right. that you can't earn that and you did not earn that so yeah. to balance that with self-acceptance is especially challenging mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. because we fall into extremes so much right but but i think that's very powerful awesome hey thanks for listening today and um, as always we're grateful tell a friend if you like the episode we'd love to hear from you you can email us at info at jim and com. no h in the john what else john where do they find us uh instagram at uh jim and john uh, no H. Uh, we have a Twitter, Jim and John one, I believe, which we have not used up until very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so don't, maybe don't expect a lot there, but it is there. Yeah. 
and uh, mostly Instagram. You can private messages there, or uh, like my dad said, at uh, on our email, or you, there's a comment section on the website at jimandjohn.com. Yeah, jimandjohn.com, and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, please, any any amount of feedback. Uh, and yeah, we will see you guys next week for episode 62. Bless you.